A Thoughtful Faith Podcast is a production of Mormon Stories and the Open Stories Foundation. All donations to A Thoughtful Faith are tax-deductible and go directly towards keeping the podcast alive and towards building a community of support for Mormons like you. To support the podcast or to join the community, please become a monthly subscriber today at athoughtfulfaith.org. All right, thank you for joining us at A Thoughtful Faith. I'm Stephanie Nicolaisen, and I'm going to be your host for today. And today we're speaking with Christina Monson with All Enlisted, and they are sponsoring this upcoming event, Wear Pants to Church, uh, that will be tomorrow on Sunday. Uh, welcome, Christina. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. We're excited we were able to fit you in. I know you've been busy and talking to a lot of people. And with this event coming up tomorrow, we're just happy that we we're able to catch you for a few minutes here. So thank you. Oh, great. No problem. Anytime. All right. Awesome. Well, we're going to kind of jump right into this. We wanted to kind of uh, give our listeners a little bit of an update on this event um, as it's coming up. I know there's been tons of buzz, especially on Facebook, about what is the big deal about wearing pants to church, right? Right. <laughs> I think like after this weekend, we're probably all going to be sick of hearing about pants for a while. <laughs> Yes, I have to agree. That was going to be true. Yeah, who knew, right? Right. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, first off, I want to kind of have you give us a little bit of your background so our readers kind of or listeners uh, know who you are. Um, and then I'll let you kind of tell us about All Enlisted and tell us about this event. So I'll let you kind of take it away. Great. Okay. So I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. I've come from a very long line of Mormons generation after generation going all the way back to the beginning with Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. And um, I was born in Salt Lake. I have a lot of extended family that still lives there. And my dad actually lives in Orem. Uh, but when I was 10 years old, my parents divorced. My mother and then my stepfather, when he joined our family, they also have come from a Mormon background, but they have formally left the church. Whereas my dad and, and my stepmother, he has also remarried, um, are very much involved and very devout members of the church. And so I was really raised with these two very extreme perspectives because I have on one side my dad, very connected to the church, very traditional and conservative. My mother and my stepfather um, became more liberal in their politics and agnostic in their belief system. So, I mean, pretty much the extreme of, of both of those options. Yeah. So as, as an individual, I grew up very connected, of course, to both mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with both of these perspectives. So as a, as a woman and as a Mormon, I find being a liberal feminist Mormon is actually a very natural fit for me because that really, I, I was uh, guided to see both sides of all issues very clearly and can navigate easily between the two and accept and acknowledge both of them. That's great. That's definitely a unique upbringing in our church. <laughs> it really, really is. It really is. One thing that I have to say I loved about my mother when she did leave the church, I had a very wonderful conversation with her. And she asked, she said, you know, you are Mormon. And your, your family is Mormon. Your, your background is Mormon. And I'm 10 years old at this point. And she said, I would, and I would really encourage you to continue going to church until you're old enough to understand what you want. And so that was a really beautiful thing. So our, even though my mother and my stepfather had left the church, they still very much encouraged us. And in fact, when my siblings, you know, we all went to BYU, we all graduated from BYU um, and they supported that and they supported um, those siblings who went on missions and they, you know, <laughs> they knew how to, when everyone got married in the temple, I'm, I, I'm single, but my other brothers and sisters who married, you know, they, they knew how to call the lion house and get the, you know, reception set up and everything. They were, they're very supportive of us kids. That's great. In the path that we've taken in life. So yeah, I did um, grow up with that very, very unique perspective. And then of course I did go to BYU. That's where I got my under, my undergrad degree in um, theater and film. And then I came out here to Los Angeles and I worked 
uh, got my master's degree at American Film Institute in here in LA. I am a filmmaker and a musician. How awesome. Well, that's really cool. I think so. (laughs) Well, great. Um, Well, tell us a little bit then about All Enlisted and what's that organization about and kind of who founded it and what is kind of your mission there? Great. Um, All Enlisted is a really new organization. There are a lot of feminist Mormon organizations um, and groups that have been established. Some of the more academic, research, scholarly uh, pursuits. And some are of a different nature that are more about being a forum to talk and discuss issues. And we have a lot of different people, some that are being activists, some that are just uh, wanting to speak about such things. All Enlisted was the brainchild of this incredible sister named Stephanie. She's the one who started it. And her her idea was to bring everybody together and then um, put the activity in activism. So we really wanted to have this group be about um, where we speak about the gender inequalities and we speak about Mormon uh, women's issues, but we really wanted to do something about that. Mm-hmm. And so our first event, and, and All Enlisted is a very, very young organization that's really only been around for a few weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And our first event that we planned, and, and we, we thought we we're going to start with something very small. <laughs> <laughs> We really did. We thought it'd be something small, something to just put our toe in um, and say, hey, let's wear pants. Because we can. We knew that we could. Right. It's not breaking any rules. Right. And and so this was announced on Sunday. On Monday, the church came out with that wonderful statement that said, yep, we encourage our our the people who come in our members who come to church to wear their Sunday best, whatever that is for you. And so we are completely in harmony with the brethren and completely in harmony with the doctrine and with the church's overall message. And so we thought, cool, this is a great little activity because we did know many sisters who had worn pants for whatever reason mm-hmm. that they chose to in their life and then felt very uncomfortable by that, felt very judged by that. And so this was just a, we really thought it was just going to be a small event where we stand in solidarity with them. And then all of a sudden it just blew up and we're like, Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> Way to open and, it up with a bang. <laughs> right? We honestly, we thought this would just be a really small introductory kind of test out our group and how we're working together and, and you know what we wanted to do and kind of test the waters and, well, there it is. <laughs> you know All right. what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think I think it's awesome. And I think that it is such a on, on the surface, I think it seems like such a simple thing. But obviously, as we know, there's a lot of um, underlying deeper issues that go along with this. Um, right. One thing that we understood is, you know, there has been such an overwhelming response. And the great majority of that has been very positive and from men and women who said, yeah, that's just great. Or, oh, my, my aunt always wears pants or this other, we had examples of when this one woman, she was like nine months pregnant, extremely uncomfortable and pants were the best thing for her. And that's what she wore. Mm-hmm. You know, so we had a lot of people who thought that's great. That's wonderful. That's fine. And then there were other people that stepped up and we saw this as really more of a cultural thing that we needed to address that we knew doctrinally we are completely in harmony with the leadership of the church, but there has been a tradition amongst particularly the Utah um, Mormons and, of course, in the Western United States, a tradition, which is not necessarily doctrinally based, of wearing skirts and dresses. And a lot of women who said, well, why do you need to wear pants? I like wearing dresses. To which I replied, me too. Right. I love, <laughs> I love wearing skirts. I have a whole closet full of them. And, in fact, that's kind of a personal preference on my end professionally and and whatnot Mm -hmm. my closet really is full of either dresses skirts a couple of nice pants and then like sweats and jeans and you know what I mean yeah so yeah I'm right there I'm right with you with the pants you know the pants skirts dress issue but I know that there are other women who felt alone and I didn't want them to feel alone and we didn't want them to feel alone we wanted to stand in solidarity and those who question that um, and the response was like, we realized that part of our movement and part of the things that we wanted to accomplish was to 
also educate. Mm-hmm. Educate the women who didn't know that this was an option and educate those who are in opposition to it who maybe aren't aware that it is an option and that it's okay. That if a woman wears pants to church, it's not a call for repentance. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. The church will not crumble and the world will end. It's just a pair of pants. Yeah. Well, I I had to say growing up, I grew up in North Hollywood, California. And, you know, we had a fairly small ward. But I do remember there was always this one older sister who would wear pants. And I remember asking my mom one day, Mom, why does she wear pants? And my mom just didn't even make it a big deal. She's like, oh, that's just what she likes to wear. And she always looked nice. And she looked like that was her nice pant outfit. And, and so I personally didn't think that much of it growing up, but absolutely, like you said, it's a, it's a cultural thing where, you know, women typically wear dresses or skirts. And for some reason, it becomes such a shock if somebody shows up in a pair of pants. Yes. And in fact, that was, um, I actually joined the organization. All Enlisted has been around, like I said, for just a few weeks. And I actually joined the organization just this week. My first initial reaction when I saw this, because I, I am aware and a part of a lot of the greater um, Mormon feminist uh, movement and aware of other groups and stuff like that. And when I saw this little thing, I thought, well, it seems kind of insignificant because obviously it is. I mean, it's doctrinally, there's no problem with that. But then when I started to see all these other women who were having, who were sharing that experience, that either they saw that and thought, oh, that's weird, or other women who wear pants and have felt judged or, or whatnot, I thought, well, I really do want to support my sisters and then also support my brothers, you know, the men in, in our wards and in our stakes and in, in our faith, who also support that. And they, of course, are going to be wearing purple of some sort a purple tie, purple socks, or a purple ribbon taped to their their jacket um, in support for us because they said, you know, I want to support my wife. I want to support my mom. I want to support my sister, my daughter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, I, I want to ask one other question about the organization before we kind of jump into this issue more. Um, looking at all of the different feminist organizations that are out there, and there's probably only a few that I personally am real familiar with. Um, but would you categorize um, all enlisted as being a more um, faithful feminist group? Do you, do you find that you have uh, more sisters that are still active in the church more that are maybe post Mormon? Um, or is it kind of a variety of all of it? It really is a variety of all of that. And that is such a great question. And, um, not just in those who have volunteered and who have said, I stand with you and I'm going to be a part of this event, and you know, but also in our core leadership, we have a variety of those like me. I go to church. I'm very devout um, Mormon. And then we have those who, like you said, post-Mormon or formerly Mormon. And then we have a lot that are just in between, that they're in process or trying to figure out where they fit in and what they want. And maybe they're not as active or maybe they're active but not as active in other things, you know, and so that middle ground. And as a result of having such a wide diversity, um, we do want to be able to hear and to acknowledge all of our stories, not just in our leadership but amongst our membership. And that's a real core value for us because one of the things that we've noticed in gender inequality is that a lot of these women have had experiences, and, and most of that, I would say the overwhelming majority of that have been an experience with one particular bishop or with one home teacher that is very unique to that woman and that person, mm-hmm. that that bishop. And it's not at all indicative of the larger church um, teachings or the gospel. But that happened to them, and they felt that they weren't heard and that they, um, when they tried to have um, those issues addressed, that they were not able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, so part one of our values is we really want to hear and acknowledge. But knowing that we have such a wide diversity, we we're hearing and acknowledging a lot of viewpoints. And so, our group is, as we're growing, you know, like I said, we're a very young organization. As we're coalescing into what our our message is and into what our activities are going to be, as we're doing that, um, the we are finding a more moderate tone of what those who want to stay in the church and remain in the church and remain devout and remain in keeping with what um, 
the brother and, and the leadership says, but then also not ignoring those who are formerly Mormon or who are somewhere in between. And we want to really acknowledge all of that. Does that make sense? No, yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a great explanation. And I, I think that that's maybe um, a good basis for the listeners to kind of know where your group is coming from, because I think that's important to kind of have that context. Um, well, let's move into the big question then. So is this really just about pants or is the overall purpose to bring more awareness to uh, feminist issues and gender inequality as a whole? For me as an individual and also now as I've stepped into this more leadership role, um, the way that I see it is that there is a level of gender inequality that does exist in the Mormon church. And again, like I said earlier, some of that inequality is very specific to one particular individual or one particular situation. And some of it is more um, overall in general. And some of it is, you know, some some of the examples are that men are men and women are women and that we are different. And we get to also acknowledge that. For me, I am a feminist, but what feminism means to me is I don't feel that I need to compete with men. I don't feel that I need to be exactly whatever they are. I feel that I that feminism is allowing the individual to become whoever they're meant to be without other people getting in the way. And that's for women and for men. You know, we can be the one that we're meant to be that, you know, our divine purpose. And so as we're looking at this gender inequality, I kind of see it as like this big rock. And that all enlisted is we're chipping away at the rock. You know, today it's pants. Our next event, and, and we don't know what those are yet. We're still planning and figuring out where we're going for our next event. But our next event is going to chip away at another aspect of gender inequality and then chip away over here and chip away over here and over here and over here. And then eventually we're going to get the sculpture that is the divine potential of what a woman is supposed to be. And we want to do that in keeping with the church. We also want to do that in keeping with our, with our experiences that are true for those who, in whatever regard, they, are, they find themselves in the Mormon church. Great. I, I really like how you said um, that it's about letting each woman or man determine what their own divine purpose is. And, you know, I, I do think within the church, oftentimes we have these very specified um, gender roles and there's nothing wrong with those roles. If you can be in that role and feel fulfilled and it's what you find joy in. Um, but I, but I think allowing the opportunity for those who, that isn't bringing them joy. It isn't making them fulfilled, allowing them to move into a different sphere that would allow them to feel like they're really um, living up to their full, full potential and, and really being able to do what God sent them here to do. And so exactly. And I have a really good example on that. I have a sister-in-law who is a stay at home mom. She's a housewife, a mother. And, and this is probably She's really probably one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. She's incredibly bright, um, a Benson scholar at BYU, you know, extremely high test scores. Her, like, intelligence potential, she could have really gone and done anything. But in her life, the value that she wanted, what she felt was the most fulfilling and the most interesting for her, she really, really wanted to be a wife and a mother. That's what her calling was. That's what she was built for. And as I watch her with my brother build this incredible family and, and all the wonderful things that they've done and accomplished, I often just sit back and marvel at her. And I think, yep, this is what you were born to do. This is who you were meant to be. And then I think of myself, and I am such a creative person. I mean, I wake myself up in the middle of the night because I have a song lyric I have to write down. <laughs> yep. I I will spend, you know, days on end where I forget to eat because I'm writing a script or I'm working on this or I'm working that. I'm constantly, my brain is constantly going like that. It's really hard to turn it off. <laughs> and I, of course, I'm single, but of course I do want very much to get married and to have children. But I know that I'm going to be a working mom mm -hmm. because that's what is fulfilling for me. That's what I've been born to do. And so it's feminism and, of course, then this movement and, of course, all movements really within the church is to honor that, is to say whoever you're meant to be, then we honor that no matter what 
degree of professionalism or career or age or, you know, men or women or what, you know, we honor you in who you are to be. That's great. I love that. Um, well, I kind of want to move into Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the scary topic to move into. Um, so who afraid of that topic, you can go right ahead. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, who knew that creating an event page about wearing pants to church on Sunday would blow up everybody's Facebook walls everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like I said, we, we thought this is a really small event. We really, really did. And it just went, it exploded. It, it was so intense. And, um, the opposition was I think of all of it was most surprising, mm-hmm. particularly since a lot of the comments that were said um, were not actually in keeping with the gospel. It certainly wasn't Christ-like, and it absolutely wasn't in harmony with the statement the Brethren released, which said, you know, we want you to wear your Sunday best, and it's up to you as to what that is. And, and so the fact that they, they had that response of people were calling others to repent and saying that we were evil and we're, you know, Satan was in our heart and things like that. We're just like, what? Because it was so incongruous mm-hmm. with with reality. But um, like I said earlier, one of our values is that we do want to hear and acknowledge. Part of that is that we do want to hear and acknowledge the other side too. And, and to hear their experience and to why um, the tradition of women wearing skirts and dresses is so important to them. But when it gets to a point where there were death threats and there was acts of violence and, and abuse and things like that, that's when we said we have a zero tolerance, tolerance policy for that. We will not stand for that and we will not hear that. And mm-hmm. those instances when that happened, um, they were reported to law enforcement and they were reported yeah. to church and reported to BYU. There were some BYU students who were yeah. stepping out. Let me let me pause you there real quick because I'd like you to kind of clarify from what that, what actually happened with the dr- death threat so that it's not like, well, my sister-in-law's friend's brother told me that, like, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to hear straight from you what actually happened with that. There was, um, and of course I really, and I hope you understand, I do want to remain a little bit vague about this to protect oh, sure. some privacy issues. Absolutely. But then also, um, we don't want to inspire like, hey, that's a really good idea. Let's go do that and ins- inspire some copycats kind okay. of thing. Do you, we can even not talk about it if you want. I can. What I can say is that um, there was a very specific uh, threat that was made against Stephanie, who was our founder for All Enlisted and also the one who had up this event. And because of that, she stepped back. And she's like, I really need to not be the face of this. I really... I, you know, she's a young mom. She has a young little child. She's like, I, I need to, I need to protect my family and I need a little bit of space. And so when that happened, that's when she looked to me and she said, could you step in? And so then that's when I took, and that all happened like on Thursday. So this is kind of new for all of us, but yeah. Um, so that happened. And then of course, so there was something very specific mm-hmm. that had with and was, and everything's been more or less resolved to a degree in that regard. Um, and then there were some other very general ones that were said, um, some that I think as I looked at them, um, were just like one-off comments that I think if there wasn't the anonymity of being online, that person would never have ever said those words to a human individual face to face. Right. So I think there were certainly some, um, hysterics in that sense Mm -hmm. that I think would over-exaggerate on their part. Mm -hmm. But, of course, that was also addressed. Like I said, there were some BYU students that um, got some very interesting phone calls from the Honor Code office. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that, certainly. But when we had those issues, when we had those um, threats and, and more specific things, that's when we were able to say, nope, we're not having that. And we actually asked one of our um, core we have a very small core leadership group. We asked one of our sisters within that group, hey, can you head that? Can you watch? Can you monitor and be our liaison that would talk to all these different people that would need to be talked to, law enforcement, BYU, church security, and any and all others that would be necessary. And so we actually had to have somebody who stepped in to do that, which is, you know, 
to me, as I'm looking at some of these comments and I'm reading this and I'm watching all this happening and, and, and directing and how do we to respond to that, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, this is pants. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're like, is this really happening? <laughs> it's pants, people. Come on. <laughs> but I understood, um, you know, I, I would not, and I chose not to listen to um, those threats, but the others who did have a stronger opposition who I could listen to and I heard and I said, you know, I understand that this is a, a tradition and a value that matters to you. Mm-hmm. And I hear and I acknowledge that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's also a part of the story. All right. Well, I kind of want to go um, kind of a devil's advocate route with you um, and kind of pose you some of the, you know, questions or statements that I received as I correspond with different people on Facebook, um, you know, and I, too, was kind of surprised by some of the comments that were made. Um, I had one individual say that she felt like wearing pants to church was going to be a slap in the face of all the priesthood leaders um, to whom she felt, um, you know, adored her and treated her how to be a lady and that she just thought it was disrespectful and, and a slap in the face. Um, what would kind of you, how would you reply to that? Um, I want to make sure that I heard you correctly, that, this is a woman who said if we wore pants that it would be a slap in the face. And, and not just, and, and I mean, wore pants this Sunday as a part of this kind of, um, I don't know if you want to call it a protest or this event, um, but to do it on this Sunday would be a slap in the face of the brethren. Uh, okay. She was she wasn't speaking of wearing pants in general, but to do it this Sunday for that purpose. I see. Yeah, we actually um, we received a lot of comments about that. Um, who who stated that? And for me, I had to think about the word protest for a while, and I actually talked with some friends of mine about that. And the word protest has a connotation to it that you're going against an authority. And for us, we're not going against an authority. There's absolutely no. We are completely in harmony with the authority of the church. Um, what's happening here is that we, there's already a space that has been created for, um, more diversity in what somebody wears and we're just claiming that space. So we're not trying to antagonize. We certainly, certainly do never meant to offend, um, nor do we want to disrupt. And that's something that I've actually spoken to about with some of the core leadership and also with other people. I'm like, I don't want you to just. I don't want sacrament meeting or church in general to be disrupted because I'm a Mormon and this is sacred to me. You know, church is sacred to me. Sacrament is sacred to me. So as a personal value, but the act of wearing pants is not a protest. The act of wearing pants is already there. We're just claiming it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I see that. And I, I, I've seen some comments of people say that they um, they feel bad for those women who already wear pants to church and have already been doing that for a long time. And now if they wear pants, then it makes them seem like they are making a statement along with this and and wondering if it's unfair that it's drawing that extra attention onto them. Yeah, you know, um, I've thought about that and it does concern my little sensitive heart, honestly, because I know sisters who wear pants all the time. And I thought to myself, you know, if you wear pants on Sunday, this Sunday, I mean, people will most likely assume that you're being this like revolutionary. Right. Whereas whereas that was not our intent. We really, we wanted to just be there in solidarity and in support. We didn't want to make things harder for anyone. And we really just wanted to support them. So yeah, that has an unintended consequence that we were not prepared for. Mm -hmm. But the overwhelming majority of women that have contacted us that we're aware of, who do wear pants on a daily basis said, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm the only one who ever wears pants. And sometimes people look at me and sometimes someone will whisper in Relief Society, hey, you should wear something else. And she's like, thank you for, for being there with me so I don't feel alone. 
Oh, good. Thank you for, yeah. And thank you for kind of bringing this issue to the front where I can turn to that sister who whispers in Relief Society, oh, yeah, but by the way, the brethren said it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yes, I'm sure there are going to be some who are like, oh, man, why did you have to do that? <laughs> you know, why did you have to highlight this issue? But then the overwhelming majority, it truly, truly is the overwhelming majority are saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I want to know, are you interested with this interview of going into any examples of gender inequality as you see it in the church? Or would you rather keep this more just about this event? Well, I know that there have been a lot of, and I'm sure you're aware of, a lot of um, a lot of groups who highlight various different gender inequalities. Um, I know that even if, with my own group, there are people who are saying, you know, why are men the only ones who can pass the sacrament around? I know that that's an issue that people are speaking of. For me personally, I don't know what I have finally come to as a decision on that, what I really think or feel about some of these greater gender inequalities because I'm still figuring it out. I'm Mm -hmm. still kind of coming up with what my thoughts are on the matter. What I can say is that going forward, we are listening to our sisters and our brothers as they have spoken about their experience with gender inequality And then also um, going forward, we want to highlight certain issues and what those issues are we don't know yet. Because like I said, we're a very young group and we do want to, we are going to be planning more activities. We're definitely putting the activity in activism. That's definitely what we're doing. So we will go forward um, with other events and that's going to be kind of the nature of this particular group called, you know, All Enlisted. But as to what those events are and as to what we're going to be highlighting and educating and speaking about, that is yet to be coalesced. That's yet to be decided on. So it's a wonderful, wonderful question. And I really wish I had a better answer okay. for you. <laughs> no, no, that's totally okay. Yeah. No, yet. Yeah. Um, well, I got- we just don't know. Okay. Well, why don't I ask it in maybe a more generalized term? Um do you see the, you know, wear pants to church event as an opportunity to bring more awareness to um, maybe the general membership of the church about gender inequality issues? Yeah, you know what, I can say this, that just by the mere fact that we are a Mormon feminist group, and that we are, of course, one of many, um, right there, that makes us um, a visible that says, hey, there is something here. Were that not so, we would have no need to be to exist. And so just the fact of our mere presence is itself an education of the fact that there is gender inequality and that there are feminist issues that we do want to address. Um, and then, of course, there are different ways that people are choosing to address that. And, and the degree of gender inequality is also something that other people are addressing. One of the comments that I received quite a bit on Facebook, I love Facebook. (laughs) Um, Yeah, often there is this one person that's like, I hate listening to angry victim, angry victim women who are screaming about inequality. Mm -hmm. That kind of resonated with me because I'm not angry. I have absolutely no anger whatsoever and I'm not carrying any hurts or, or sorrow or trauma with me. I am not personally angry, nor do I feel myself a victim for me personally. And I think um, as part of this greater movement of All Enlisted, what we're trying to do is not to highlight that we're not victims. We really aren't. And we're not angry. And we, we aren't feeling this deep sorrow. What we are is just saying, hey, let's talk about this. There is an issue. Let's discuss. Let's dialogue. Let's converse. Let's, let's figure it out together, you know, and maybe we've got an answer. Maybe you have an answer, but let's have a conversation. I, I like that. Do you, um, I, the comments that I've, I've read and I would assume you've received a lot along the same line is, um, you know, are, are we just being nitpicky? You know, are we just mm-hmm. trying to, you know, 
ruffle people's feathers and just trying to grab attention, you know, or are there actual real issues here that need to be discussed? I, I totally hear that. And in fact, um, someone who's very, very special to me in, in my ward, she sent me an email and she's like, I know you and I love you. And I know that you're a wonderful person. I'm worried about you being involved in groups like this because all they're doing is nitpicking and all they're doing is looking for something to be offended by, looking for something to be angry. And it's kind of becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy to which I responded saying, yeah, I agree. I, I am not in line with somebody who as a personal, it's just as a personal a relationship. I don't like to be around those kind of negative people just personally, but also within our group, I don't feel that to be the case that we are nitpicking, that we are looking for something that is offensive, that we're waiting to be angry, that we're, you know, that we are creating self-fulfilling prophecies in that sense, but more rather that we are seeing that there is something very specific that we want to address. And in, as far as nitpicking on this very specific pants issue, that is a reality. And it was a reality amongst sisters who said, I don't feel comfortable and then it became a bigger reality when there were a lot of people who showed exactly why they don't feel comfortable in all the angry and the vitriol and the, and the negativity. So that's what we're doing is we're not nitpicking. We're just saying, look, here is something. It's right here. And this is the reality. This is our experience with it. This is, these are our opinions about it. And we're listening to your opinions about it. And let's see if we can make, you know, find a solution. Our name, All Enlisted, comes, of course, from that beloved hymn, We Are All Enlisted Until the Conflict is Over. Happy are we. And so that's, that's the thing is like we see that there is a conflict here, but we want to resolve it. We do want to have a resolution and we do want to come to a term. So we do, of course, want to have peace and harmony, not just our, ourselves, but with our fellow men and women and with the, within the church. And we're not angry. We're not sad. We're happy. We're happy to take this um, discussion and this fight and um, and take it forward. And we really value everyone's opinion, including those who don't agree with us. That's great. I love that. Um, another um, thing that I've seen kind of several different places, uh, people who are opposed to this, um, you know, say that the that church is a as a sacred place, it's not a place to bring political issues into, you know, our, our meeting time, and it's not a place to make protests. Um, have you heard of anybody or yourself thought of that correlating with the church using meeting block times to talk about different gay rights issues, whether it's um, Prop 8 or Prop 102 here in Arizona? Do you, do you see those as being the same thing? Or are they different? You know, what, what I know about the church is that it has tried very hard to be very apolitical because um, Mormons of all stripes here in the U.S. as well as globally, and we are such a global religion now, is that there is a huge diversity between various different political thoughts and that I'm personally a Democrat. I have a very, very dear friend of mine who's a Republican and we really are very similar and see a lot of things eye to eye. Um, and so it's very easy for a Democrat to, with our values as Mormons, to feel comfortable in the Democratic Party. There's also the same thing to feel comfortable in the Republican Party. So I, there is that space that we all can belong. However, as you pointed out, um, in the past, the church has made specific moments when they have brought politics into it. I, I'm thinking of um, moving against the ERA in the 70s and, of course, gay rights and Prop 8 and more recently and, of course, again in the 80s. So, yes, there have been times when the church has stepped in and said our position of this is dot, 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 dot. The wonderful thing about our church is that we were asked to take ownership in it. We do not have a paid clergy we have our very own people in all of their successes and all their failures, you know, governing our church. We have um, every single week we go to church and we take the sacrament and we renew our covenant. So in, in doing that, it's not like we have to say our covenant once. Every week we renew that covenant. We go to the temple often, even though we've all been in doubt and we've all ba been baptized. But we do that again and again and again 
to reevaluate our testimony in the temple and, and to reevaluate our testimony in those rituals. And also, at least once a year, and of course twice a year, we sustain our leaders, whether they are our general authorities that we do you know, twice a year with the general conference, but also we sustain our local leadership, our bishops, and our Relief Society presidents, and our Sunday school teachers. We sustain them in our leadership. So we have a very long history of in the Mormon Church of voting and being thoughtful about that and saying, yes, we sign on for this. Yes, I support President Monson. Yes, I support my bishop. Yes, I support this. Or, and of course, there have been many examples when someone says, no, I do not support that. And then that, of course, is we have a dialogue. We can have a conversation. And so whether it's Prop 8 or whether it is a pair of pants, we have a history within our church to take ownership in it. And so part of that will be a little political because we, of course, as people are a little political sometimes just as an individual. And so when that happens, of course, for me, I I struggled with the Prop 8 because I was not for it. And I actually campaigned against it. And it was really funny because at the time, um, I remember I was canvassing a street with a, a partner in the Prop 8 uh, against Prop 8 campaign. And I was on one side of the street and I looked up and I saw my home teacher and my oh. bishop on the other side. <laughs> I waved and they waved back at me and they knew because I said in church, you know, I don't support this for me personally, but mm-hmm. I will support the leadership. Mm-hmm. I will support my, my prophet and I will support their position. But as for me, you know, I will humbly respond to President Monson, but as for me, I'm going to step back and I'm going to be on the other side of the street with my signs. You guys can be on that side of the street. We wave, we laughed, and then we carried on. So, yeah, we have history in our church of being individuals, but also of taking ownership in it. And this is my way of taking ownership in it. I, I really love the way that you phrase that. And I, I love how you draw in the comparison of how we, um, you know, have those opportunities a couple times a year to kind of give that vocal support to both local and general leaders. Um, kind of along that same line, though, and again, I, I want to kind of play devil's advocate here. Um you know, you say that you support your leaders. Well, if your leaders are telling you to to vote a certain way, um, how would you define the difference between supporting your leaders and obeying what the prophet says? I remember during that time that, and of course, I, I, I don't have the statement right in front of me, but the statement in general that was released from the podium was that the church's official position against homosexuality and same-sex attraction and then gay rights and marriage is this, dot, 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 dot. And we would encourage our members to respond as they are able. And so I responded from that. I was very careful in looking at the wording and saying, you know what, there's room here. Like I said, we are we are claiming ownership in in the space that has already been created there's room here for me to say, okay, the, my church says this, but I will say that. And I'm allowed to say that. And my bishop knew what I was doing. My home teachers knew what I was doing. I was never called before any disciplinary council because I was able to say with true honesty, I, you know, if somebody came up to me and said, you know, the prophet says this, or you are literally not allowed to do that, I would acquiesce. I would because I am a Mormon and I'm a faithful Mormon. So if my prophet said, this, then that's what I'll do. But he, but he didn't. And, and, and that's the difference. I was, I was able, I had a little bit, it was very small, very, very small, <laughs> but I little where I was able to speak my truth mm-hmm. and yet still be able to say, however, I'm a Mormon and they say that. And it was actually a really interesting time because I have so many friends out here in LA who are gay. And let me tell you, if you thought Facebook was crazy with this pants thing, I had so many friends who were mad, just really angry mm-hmm. at me because I was a Mormon and, and this was being said and, and these were the campaigns and these were the commercials that were being aired and the money that was pouring in and they were so angry. And I was like, I know, I hear you. But at the same time, 
on election night when it came through that Prop 8 had passed, there was such a huge outpouring and protest that happened right in front of our temple. A mass amount of people. It filled up the entire Santa Monica Boulevard and they were throwing trash and rocks and yelling and screaming and, and vandalizing um, the temple grounds and the gates. And I was with them, like in the sense that I was with those who were against Prop 8. But when you came to my temple, no, I, I, I make a stand there. You know, you, I am not supporting you protesting at my temple. I'm not supporting you throwing trash at my temple and yelling and screaming in that. I support your cause and I hear you. But I draw my line, mm-hmm. and that, and and so I actually was there that night, and I ran into a lot of my friends, and I'm like, please don't do this. There, are, there's another way we can have this conversation. So that is a way of, I guess, answering your devil's advocate question is that I do draw a line, and I and I will always acquiesce um, to the leadership because that is a value to me. But I do, um, I do reserve the right to have my own opinion. Great. I, I like that. (laughs) I think that's a great way of defining it. And I think that, you know, no matter what our leaders tell us to do, it is always our responsibility. Um, in fact, I, I think it might've been Nyla McBain in the last podcast she did with a thoughtful faith, um, that she said that, we first receive the first witness when we hear our leaders tell us something, but we have to wait for the second witness. And that is when the spirit witnesses to us that what they're saying is true. And right. I think that that second witness is going to come a little bit different to everybody. And, exactly. and we have to allow um, the members of the church that space to be able to receive that witness for themselves. And so I really like how you, how you summed that up. Um, yeah, and it's true. I, I do feel that there is that second witness. And and for us, we have received, you know, a lot of people who are in our organization, including myself, I I prayed about it for a really long time, you know, for I, I all day on Wednesday and then up into Thursday when I took in the leadership role, I prayed and I'm like, I if I'm going to do this, I really need to know that this is okay, that I, that I can be directed and I, I can feel the spirit here. Because if there's one second when I'm not feeling the spirit, when I'm not feeling impressed and, and I don't feel the intuition to remain, then I will have to. And I actually made that very well known amongst the leadership here and all enlisted that I'm, I'm working with the spirit. And that's where I'm, I'm, I'm taking the movement and that's also where I'm living my life. And so there are a lot of a lot of people on this side of the pants issue, if you want to call it that, <laughs> who have received that second witness, and we, and of course, that witness is in harmony with with our leadership, as we said before. But a part of this event will be to highlight um, that there is an opening there and allow other people to get that second witness themselves. They haven't gotten there yet. That's what a lot of our opposition opposition has been about. And so we're allowing them to be angry and we are allowing them to say what they need to say. As long as it's, you know, there's of course a line that you will, we will not tolerate if you cross, we're allowing you to say that. And we're allowing the discussion and the conversation to continue. And we are hoping that we will all get that second witness and get on that same page sooner than later. Uh, what encouragement would you give to sisters who want to support this cause, but maybe are feeling timid as to actually wearing pants tomorrow? Um, that's such a good question. And a lot of sisters have messaged that saying, you know, uh, particularly I'm thinking of one sister and, and it's on Facebook. And she said that her heart is heavy because her mother told her, you know, this is a woman who's married and who's older, but Yet, on Facebook, her mother saw that she was a part of this group and that her mother is very upset and is very concerned and does not want her to be involved. And so now her heart, this, this daughter, is now heavy because she doesn't want to have conflict in her family. She believes in the cause and she thinks it's great. But now she's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And my response to her was, you know, pray about it and really ponder and really think. And if 
this is something that you feel would be beneficial for you and for your young daughter and also for the relationship eventually with your mom that you can stand up and say, mom, I'm sorry, but I really believe this. And I've had that relationship with my own mother where there are times I made choices that she didn't understand. For instance, um, I'm the one extrovert in my entire family. Everyone else are extremely introverted, like shy to the point of completeness, you know? <laughs> I was the one where it's like the door would ring and they go, Christina, go answer it. Because I was the one who didn't care to like open the door and talk to a stranger. So <laughs> when I, you know, got into performing, got into being on the stage and stuff like that, I know my mother would just sit back and look at me and going, you are so weird. <laughs> She's probably thinking if like you were switched at birth or something. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually I spoke to my stepdad not too long ago and, you know, he said, you are so, you are such an interesting daughter. That's what he said. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Because I'm protesting. And he said, well, cause you're so vocal about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it's certainly, I mean, when you love somebody, there certainly is a lot of room for disagreement. And then that's to disagree with somebody is, is okay. And even in our church where we have so much love that we have one to another, and then that's a value in our church that we love our bishop and we love the other sisters and we love the other brothers. And, you know, that's a value that we have. And even within that love, it's okay to disagree. And so what I said to this beautiful sister who is in conflict I just said, um, you know, pray about it and and go with what your gut says. Go with what the Spirit tells you to do. And if in the morning you say, you know what, it's not worth it to me to have a fight with my mom, then that's fine. And I will stand with you on that. And I will stand with you for not wearing pants. But also if you choose to say, you know what, I want to make a statement and I want to be a supportive for my sisters who are wearing pants and I want to be supportive in that regard. And I also want to make this a teaching lesson for my daughter that it's okay to do that. Then um, again, the same thing, let it be, um, let it be guided by the spirit, whichever way you go, we support you. That's great. I, I think that's a great response to that. And um, would you maybe even suggest that those sisters could, you know, maybe wear a purple dress or, you know, something like that to show support? Certainly, you know, purple is our color because purple um, is actually the color of the suffragette um, movement, our sister suffragettes. Um, and they wore purple and they had purple ribbons. And so that's why we've taken on that color. Um, and so I said, you know, wear your purple and however you want or not, you know, we, we accept you as you are. Purple, we, we have claimed the color purple because that was the color of the suffragette movement of, you know, women getting the right to vote and, and whatnot for, you know, 100 years ago. So that was their color, and we take that color, and we, we pick up that baton, and we carry on and move forward with the rest of the work that needs to be done in, in that regard. So purple is our color, and we encourage everyone who wishes to, to wear purple, male or female, um, whether you wear pants or not, that if you would like to be supportive in that regard, we certainly support that. And to that end, one of the main comments that we received in opposition is why are you spending so much time on this when we have other people who, you know, we have children starving and of course our the horrific, horrific tragedy, tragedy mm-hmm. that happened in Connecticut, you know, why are you putting any sort of energy together on something like this when there are, you know, people who need to be fed and clothes. And if a sister had a dress, how wonderful she would be so pleased that she even had something. And you're complaining that you that you have dresses, but you don't want to wear them. And so to that, that's a very valid criticism and we hear it and we accept that to that end. We also have a movement within us that um, those who wish they go to church and wear their pants and then afterwards or before, depending, that to go to the Desert Industries or the Goodwill or any of the other organizations that you might have locally and donate a dress and also donate a can of, you know, some cans of food or some other things like that to really highlight, yes, this is our, our movement, but we also understand that there are bigger priorities and that 
hunger and and homelessness and and not even having a dress at all to wear we appreciate that and we stand by that and so of course there is a large number of us who are going to be donating dresses and donating some cans of food as a response to that criticism that said yeah you're right we value what you said and we hear you great um how would you respond to um People who say that the feminist movement, while, you know, it's given us some great things, you know, like the opportunity to vote and, and so many other things. Um, but the intern has it, um, has it been damaging to males? Has it been damaging to their masculinity? And in our society today, do you think that we portray men as being less than? You know, and that is a really good question. I would think if I was a male member of the church that, yes, on one hand, they have so many great and wonderful things that they contribute. But, yeah, um, they probably, as as time has gone on in history, they probably feel left out. I mean, I know a lot of the comments that we received as well, men can't give birth. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. They can't. Um and, and we certainly don't want to marginalize anyone. We don't want to take on, um, you know, claiming this, these areas and these spaces like wearing pants. We don't want to do that and in, in turn then take that right or any space away from somebody else. You know, we're, that's not important to us and it's certainly not even necessary. So we understand that men and women work together in partnership. And really, isn't that what the gospel says? I mean, isn't that the whole point of the celestial kingdom is that we will be married and we're going to be working together, not only here in this life of um, creating these wonderful, beautiful families, but also in working together. Um, There was this wonderful ward that I was in when actually I lived in Utah. They had a bishop and then his wife, we all called Sister Bishop. (laughs) <laughs> it was awesome because they really were a, a partnership in working together. Of course, he was the bishop, but they worked together. They would go and visit people together. Um, they support each other in supporting the members of our ward. And so really, um, we have that space within the church that it, if we were to claim things as women, that certainly doesn't mean that we take them away from anybody else, right. that we want to work in partnership with everybody. And and the goal, the ultimate goal, is to stay in harmony with, with Christ and with the celestial kingdom and those teachings of that partnership and working together that we see to be a beautiful thing. Yeah, I really like that. I think that, you know, as feminists make progress in these different areas, like you said, it's not um, taking away things from the men, but it's about adding to the women and adding to their role. And, and I do love how you point out that it is a partnership and, and, and I know the church talks a lot about, um, you know, marriages being a partnership. And so I think that a lot of the changes that can come about through kind of Mormon feminist, Mormon feminism, uh, can support that, can support it continuing to be a partnership and that it's not about degrading the men in order to uplift the women. It really, really, really isn't because the way I see it, you know, um, one of the values that we have in our articles of faith is to, we value knowledge, we value education, and we value perfecting our own personal growth, Um, you know, in perfecting the saints on a personal level of your own spiritual growth, reading your scriptures, um, temple and, and whatnot. And as the one individual grows and becomes strengthened, then that partnership can only grow and be strengthened. You know, mm-hmm. it's a delicate ecosystem. And so it doesn't have to be a, a zero-sum game. It doesn't have to be we take away from you, ha, 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 we win. Mm-hmm. Never about that. It's really like the stronger we get, the stronger you get. Yes. We all take ownership and we can all be a better partnership. We can all be better Mormons, the community of the Mormon church can be better and the work in, in the kingdom and in Christianity at large. I mean, it, the ripple effect that can go out farther and farther and farther, the more people can really claim, again, like a point we, we talked about earlier, 
claim that person that we were meant to be. Mm-hmm. The woman does that. And as the man does that, and we do that together, then, then yeah, we have a stronger, we have just a stronger faith. We have a stronger family. We have a stronger everything. I, I couldn't agree more. Well, kind of one last final question I want to ask you is in your perfect world scenario with this event, what would be the number one thing that you hope to see come out of it? Honestly, I, if I can envision the perfect scenario, my envision would be that the sisters can walk into church wearing pants. The brothers can walk into church wearing a purple tie or a ribbon on their lapel. And that it's just not a big deal. That nobody says anything. Nobody's upset about it. There's a huge confrontation um, that they can come in, that we can worship, that we can feel the, the spirit. We can take the sacrament we can renew our covenants. We can learn to be more Christ-like in our Sunday school lessons and in our um, priest and Relief Society um, classes. And then we can go home and spend time with our family. That is the vision that I have. Awesome. Um, well, I think that's great. And I really hope that there's that same kind of reaction. And I hope that um, after <laughs> all the the battles have been fought on Facebook that when it comes down to our sacrament meetings tomorrow, that people will be respectful and that they will be kind and, you know, allow those people who choose, who do choose, let's see, that <laughs> choose to support this event, um, that they will be met with kindness. And, and I hope that those who support this event will do so in a dignified manner and also be respectful to, to other members in their ward. Um, so one question for oh, you. Yes. Girl. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> what are you wearing on Sunday? To be quite honest, I'm undecided. You know, it's I love that. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I, you know, it's um, Facebook was hard <laughs> the past that couple of days. Was a hard, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it, it got personal um, and it got personal with some people that I know. And I, you know, I know that there's, certain feelings, at least in my area, um, as to this movement. And so I'm trying to figure out the best way to, uh, be a part of it, to support it, but to do it in a way that's going to be tactful and that's going to be respectful and, and in a way that will help to create dialogue and that won't come across as an act of drawing a line in the sand. Um, And so, yeah, so honestly, I'm undecided. <laughs> well, as I said earlier, my advice to you is the same that I've given before. Pray about it. Yeah. Pray about it and really listen to the spirit and then go with that. Yeah. And if it comes to the point where, because again, we really, like I said, my ideal of tomorrow is that it's just not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so if it feels like it's not going to be in harmony with that or it's not going to be in harmony with your personal values, then if you want to wear a purple dress or wear a purple ribbon in your hair, we would love that too. But if this is something, you know, pray about it. Just yeah. pray about it. I, I think that's the best advice and that's that's something that I've been doing and and definitely a reason why I know I wanted to talk with you and and kind of get your insight on this. And I think that's helped tremendously. So I thank you. Well, Christina, I want to thank you for, first of all, being part of All Enlisted. I want to thank you guys for um, this movement to wear pants to church tomorrow. Um, I think whether or not people agree with it or disagree with it, what I'm so happy and thankful to see happening is dialogue happening. Um, you know, I'm thankful to see you know, women getting together and talking about these issues. I'm so glad to see that more awareness is being brought about to this. I know myself, I've had some great opportunities to talk to women. I know that, you know, some of these issues they had no idea about. And, and I'm so happy to see that they've been willing to listen and willing to, to give some thought to what some sisters in our church are feeling. You know, we, those of us who haven't felt marginalized or haven't, you know, felt suppressed, you know, we're lucky. And, right. and, you know, and I'm one of those people, I haven't felt that way. But as I learn more about those who have, um, my heart expands and my compassion deepens for them. And 
I want nothing more than to create a space for them where they feel included and they feel of value and they feel like they can grow in their own respects. And so I think your movement is doing a lot to help that. And so we thank you. And we certainly thank you for taking the time out to talk with us at a thoughtful faith. So. Oh, any time. <laughs> My pleasure. And I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. Thank you for joining us today on A Thoughtful Faith. To discuss this podcast, check us out at athoughtfulfaith.org. The music from this podcast was generously donated by Lisa Frazier. Hear more from her at lisafrazier.com. See you.